0: Back to the podcast. Saul Marquez here, and today I have the privilege of hosting Liz Diedrich. She is the president and CEO at Diedrich RPM, standing for Research Propelled Marketing. Her work is to continue to innovate on behalf of her agency's clients and provide services that quantitatively determine the viability of patient care services, including financial demand by demographic manage patient satisfaction, retention, and mitigate risk, provide measurable marketing outcomes, and incorporate decision science. Many marketing campaigns tend to go by feel and touch and gut. But in today's environment where everything's changing, it's important that we do things more from a research-based and data-driven perspective. And for that Liz is going to dive into what they do as a company and how they've added value to the healthcare ecosystem. I'm so excited to have you here, Liz. Thanks so much for joining us.
1: Well, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate being included.
0: Absolutely. Yes. And so what would you say inspires your work? And I know you guys work across a lot of different sectors, but mainly healthcare. What would you say inspires your work in the healthcare space?
1: Great question. So for us, I think it's our desire to uncover what's driving patient behavior. And for physicians, when they're referring patients to different care providers or specialty care centers, we want to understand what their uh, drivers are too, because sometimes they're not, they're not tied to a specific set of data. It's, it's sometimes lack of knowledge It's sometimes a misconception. Uh, We did a study for a a large IDN, for example, and they were realizing that they weren't getting as many referrals for the emergency and air care to the system. And obviously, that is a funnel to the rest of the care. And we did a study for them, and we learned that there were uh, misconceptions because they they didn't have a level one trauma three center. And one of their competitors was kind of absconding with the patient. So they put the, the level they, they changed to have the level one trauma capability as part of the the result, which obviously had an impact to the business.
0: Wow. That's pretty neat. You know, and, and you think about something like that, it's those things that you don't know that really kind of end up affecting your funnels and your and your your throughput, your sales. And overall, I mean, as as a, as a provider, that affect how you attract patients. And so, tell us a little bit about how you and your company uncover these things, and how you help customers m- then market uh, their services and solutions to patients and and also buyers.
1: Sure. So, in that case, you know, we just to kind of keep it on the same uh, line of thinking, we did a quantitative study to all the referring uh, physicians. And then we also included non-referring physicians. We didn't, it was a blind study. So the respondents didn't know who we were calling on behalf of. We asked who they primarily referred to and what caused them to choose that provider. And then we did advanced analytics to look at the key drivers and all of the factors that caused them to be loyal to a certain provider. And there were a lot of things that we uncovered. You know, most, most companies evolve and grow and they developed separate separate brands for different areas within the system. So they had a different name for the trauma area than they did for the cancer area. Mm-hmm. And so it caused confusion, and the doctors didn't understand that they're all part of the same system. So what we did is we provided a doctor's kit and hosted an event to present the scope of capabilities and the things that they could do different and better out of the chute, you know, um, learning that they, while they were one of the best ERs, they didn't, uh, none of the ERs, including one of the bigs here in Minnesota, who I won't name, didn't do a good job of providing follow up information on the patient's uh, condition once they were admitted. And so, in that, in that instance, we came up with a recommendation that they establish a protocol that would provide t- turnaround information on the patient to the referring physician within 24 hours. So they weren't left wondering. And so after we did that, that was the best attended event that they had had. We hosted it at the Mall of America and they had a uh, increase in referrals by 20% over the next three months after that, um, after that education program and after that presentation.
0: That's, uh, that's pretty neat. And, uh, you know, fascinating how you both integrated yourself on the business front, but also, on um, clinical workflow uh, front. And so what were the challenges there? I know, you know, oftentimes, you know, we look at workflow as, as something, you know, that, that is really kind of uh, sacred. You know, you don't want to disrupt it unless you really sure. have to. How did, how did you get buy-in? And uh, tell me how that stuff worked out.
1: Well, uh, we had the good fortune to have support through the CEO, the C-suite, and all the business units. We recommended that we put together a task force, Mm -hmm. and the task force in the emergency care department put together their own protocols. We didn't dictate that. Obviously, they came back with what that was, and then we delivered that out, you know, what they were doing about it with the doctor's kid. I kind of say that in quotes. It was kind of a fun um, rebranding that we did as a part of it.
0: That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. And a very creative approach. What, what would you say makes what you do different or better than what's available today?
1: Well, that, thank you for asking that. We're doing something uh, now very new. We have all this data, uh, not only on patient satisfactions and uh, on you know, what is driving growth in certain specialty care areas, but I wanted to figure out a way we could leverage that using decision science or an AI. So last year I hired a neural network engineer to do this work and he conducted analysis of different clients that we have. And one case in particular, we looked at predictive models on patient attributes to look at what drives a decision for a patient to elect to do a procedure with a specific provider or insurance carrier. And if the that, my thinking was, if the providing, provider knew what obstacles were there, how could he or she train his patient consultants when providing a diagnosis and potential treatments? And the reason this is different is really no one's using AI in this fashion, to my knowledge. And in fact, you know, according to statistics, only 10% of marketers are using AI in business today. So from my perspective, it's going to add value because it will improve outcomes. So for patient satisfactions, you know we can see retentions go up from 76% to 98%, but with the AI, we'll be able to maximize patient outcomes because the consultants will be equipped with how to better communicate with patients for the right information so the patients are taking the right action, but we'll also prevent leakage as a result of the patient electing to have a corrective procedure within the same health system. So, you know, right now, according to what I've seen with referral MD, referral leakage for a health system can be anywhere from 55 to 65%. So if we can mitigate that risk, and then the last benefit is that it's going to help save staff times because clinics typically have, uh, you know, an average ratio of staff people handling paperwork, you know, about four to five FTEs. So if they could be more focused on, who is a better you know? How to follow up, and who is a better person to follow up with? I think that's going to be really helpful in the future.
0: Oh, that's neat. And, and so, what are you exactly doing with the AI? You know, like I mean, what what are you what are you doing with it?
1: So, we take um, information from that are both patients, our regular patients from specialty care entity. We look at what their diagnosis was. Mm -hmm. And whether they elected to follow through within that care providers, you know, system, we're looking at all the different variables associated with that decision. You know, it could be age, it could be, you know, risk, it could be how it was the diagnosis and the treatment was communicated. So there's very detailed attributes tied to what the neural network is looking at. And what it does is it looks for statistical statistically significant relationships to provide a predictive model. So it can tell us within 82% accuracy whether a patient is going to follow through with a treatment based on everything that it's been said, if you will. The, the, the thing to bear in mind is we like to have an equal representation of numbers of people who have not gone through with a treatment and then those who have. And then we like to, we have to have a, a pretty big number in terms of um the population. It has to be a, a minimum of fifteen hundred um, records that we're looking at
0: interesting so so you're really looking really kind of beyond just marketing right I mean at this point you're you're going hand in hand and teaming up with the system to try to have some you know clinical decision support and how they retain patients exactly very cool very cool no it's interesting and, and so as you guys explore ideas like this how has what you guys do improved outcomes or made business better
1: well i think goes back to my two other you know two points is that you know helping prevent leakage increasing retention maximizing staff time, particularly right now, and a lot of people aren't able to be at the office, <laughs> so they can yep. work remotely with this. It's a, there's a password-protected dashboard that they can go into. We've actually branded it Propelled Projections, and it's, it's um, secure, and it's a way that their team can, in real time, um, look at those patients that they really need to focus on. Um, one of our clients, specializes in more of a, an area where they want pay out of pocket for treatments. And we're able to um, help them with this coronavirus, focus on the ones that were more likely to convert. And there's actually a real-time code that you're given when uh, when you're entering the prospective patient's information so you know that they're going to convert or not. So they were that was very helpful for them from a financial perspective at this time.
0: Hmm. Yeah, that's fascinating. So really looking at this from, uh, like, walking into the door to once you're in the door, helping helping customers, and in this case, really mostly providers, right? I mean, you guys are, were you working with anybody outside of the provider space?
1: We have, um, for our research and marketing, we've done clinical trials for pharma all over the country. We've done launches of ambulatory care centers here, a lot of IDMs. We have a lot of medical clients on our survey platform. So we, we have a, a wide array of, of medical clients. And that's kind of mm-hmm. how I, I started my company actually was on the
0: healthcare side. Very cool. Very cool. Uh, so so uh, tell us about like how this even came about, Liz. I mean, what how did you land on on this approach and and how you help your clients tackle their problems?
1: That's a great question. I think because we have a have a full I have a full team. I have, you know, marketing people and digital people, web developers, and then we have our research area and our call center. And I noticed that we were working in silos and that the information that we were getting on the digital side in terms of ROI and conversions was not being leveraged with what we had already uncovered with the research. So that was, was the genesis of of the thinking. And my CEO group, I was kind of like, what can I do with all this information? And one of the guys in my CEO group said, get a neural network engineer. And that's, that was really the start. And <laughs> we realized we could do our own AI. <laughs> nice,
0: nice. <laughs> that was a great idea. well i had help right (laughs) pardon and you executed on that idea
1: yeah yeah it was it's it's been fun it's been fun
0: very cool now uh you know we all have you know setbacks in our businesses in life but business wise can you share a setback that you've experienced and and what a key learning was from that setback
1: Yeah, that's a a good question. I think, you know, the coronavirus certainly has had an impact. I have, uh, we have clients that are in different industries and I had to lay off a couple of people and I haven't had to do that in 25 years. Hmm. And I I think that that's a setback, but the key learning is to always be evolving and um, brainstorming and thinking outside of the box. And I think that you know, i I'm grateful that we had this AI thing going, and we also created a new ROI dashboard that's custom for each client, which is um helping mitigate the need to have a ton of people working on stuff. It's all automated on the back end. So I think whatever you can do to be efficient and um, maximize your your team's time is is good. And I think that's the benefit too of this AI.
0: Yeah, no, that's for sure. And sounds like you're also finding applications of the technology within your own firm to optimize the stuff you're doing
1: you're exactly right you're exactly right and the thing is we're testing it with other industries as well so um you know b2b b2c um you know events uh there are are entities that are using this for events it's it's pretty cool
0: so what would you say you're most excited about today
1: I'm excited about the AI, I think that's probably in the future that it can bring. I think I'm excited about that. And I think um, that we've got to be thinking, of, I will just say something. What I see is there's some clients that are tucking, tucking up. And that, what I mean by that is they're, they're afraid and they're allowing themselves to be scared stagnant in this time. And I have a client that I've been working with since I started my company and he has a large medical specialty center and he was forced to close down and he and I had the most fun meeting. And what we talked about was how we could do a telemedicine using uh, triage with our survey platform. It'll cost him next to nothing. So this, the idea here is, and he said it himself, I, I finally have time to think. You know, and I think that's mm-hmm. what we've got to be doing during some of this lull, if you will.
0: You know, Liz, I couldn't agree with you more. I, you know, I, I just been doing a lot of thinking during this time and and also have <laughs> been recording some podcasts and and making that same call to action. You know, if you're not thinking and and shaping the future of your own future and your own company's future now that you're not as mired in the operations, you're missing out big time. So, you know, take heed to what, what Liz is sharing right now. And this is, this is time to think this is time to build. And, uh, and that's really encouraging. And, And Liz, you know, you've, you've had success in what you do. And, and I'm curious what, what book would you recommend to us as a, as you know, as an inspiration that's made an impact on your work?
1: Well, I think it's made on, um, an impact on me, but also what I can do as a, a contributor. And it's a book called The Second Mountain, and
0: the Second about, Mountain. Mm-hmm. Okay,
1: and it's about what you you know as we as we start our careers, we want to be this big success, and we 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 are not always so thoughtful about. How we get to this big success. And the second mountain acknowledges that, but it also talks about what what can you do to help other people in reaching their their best goals, but achieving their future. And the author's name is David Brooks, and it really talks about building uh, character and how you know there's people you can see that you, that you have around you they're kind of the insecure overachiever. And it really talks about how to help those people um, to build their heart and soul into what they're doing and how you can do that as a leader.
0: That sounds pretty powerful. It's a good book. <laughs> it's a great book it's, uh, from what it sounds like, The Second Mountain. And, you know, even like the, the, the feel of it, right? You, it's like you've already done it. So here's your second one and maybe it's somebody else's and you got to help them up it. But while you do that, you're doing it too. And uh, anytime I've had a, you know, an established leader on the podcast, which is often, you know, I get this feedback, especially people that have had success, been there, done that. They're passionate like you, Liz, about helping lift others and, and it's, it's exciting to see. That you're passionate about that too, as as you you've you've had a successful business helping healthcare leaders uh, help patients. Now you're looking to help build others, and that's a call to action for everybody listening. And what are you doing to build your team? And what are you doing to help them be their best, have their best future? As as Liz called it. So everything that we've discussed today is available. Online, So if you go to outcomesrocket.health, you go to the search bar and you type in Liz, uh, you'll see the podcast pop up and you'll be able to to get a link to the book she shared, The Second Mountain, the link to her her work page, Dietrich RPM, and just to be able to learn about the things that she's up to. Uh, And you'll also find a full transcript there. Uh, but, but, Liz, I love the, the opportunity to explore what you guys are doing over there. Uh, before we conclude, can you just share a, a closing thought and then the best place for the listeners to get in touch with you for continuing the conversation?
1: Sure. Thank you. I think my closing thought would be, uh, what are you doing to innovate your business and inspire others? And a way to connect with me is my email, liz at That's
0: awesome. That's awesome. What are you doing to innovate your business and inspire others? Outcomes Rocket Nation. And Liz, I really thank you for leaving us with that question. We all need to be thinking about it, especially during this time. So Liz, just want to say thanks again for spending time with us.
1: Well, thank you very much for the opportunity. I appreciate it. It was great talking with you. And thanks for what you're doing.